today I'm going to be referring to Genesis chapter 18 and chapter 19 because I want to share with you a story about two legendary biblical cities that you don't find on maps. Two cities that serve as a cautionary tale of the consequences of sin called Sodom and Gomorrah. In America, we have some of the finest and most beautiful cities. Cities filled with entertainment of all kinds, fancy restaurants, landmarks, structural marvels, and technology of all kinds. And if you've been reading any news at all, visited or even lived in some of these cities, you will soon learn that they are no longer the wonderful, beautiful cities that they once were. Now they're being overrun with godlessness. Our nation as a whole is on a downward spiral of moral standards, idolatry, violence, murders, and evil of all kinds. Crime has gone up just in the last couple of years dramatically. In America, millions of babies have been aborted, and our nation seems largely unconcerned. America has become a nation of self-centered indulgence, pride, and a lack of shame over sin, and these are now emblems of the American lifestyle. Many in America are so taken up by our amusements and pleasures and affairs of everyday life that we don't care what happens to America. Our society strives to avoid any possibility of offending anyone except God. And the farther we get from God, the more the world spirals out of control. And if this country doesn't realize what it has become, it will be punished just as Sodom and Gomorrah was. There isn't a nation in history that has been able to go into a direction like this and survive. One of our biggest threats to our democracy is the moral decline that our nation is seeing today. The censorship today is very dangerous. But the problem we are having with censorship is not one that protects people from moral decline, but promotes this evil degradation to society. The evil plague that follows Satan is steamrolling across America trying to censor everything that is good and godly. It is trying to suppress the real truth that people should be given and that is the truth of God and his will for this country and the lives of the people in it. Beneath this country that we have come to love and hold dear there has an underlining force that threatens to destroy it, and it is sin. The same sin that destroyed Jerusalem and Sodom and Gomorrah, and it's the same sin that choked the life out of Pompeii. Now the biblical story of Sodom and Gomorrah that is found in the book of Genesis is a sad story that reminds us of just how much God hates sin. Sodom and Gomorrah were ancient cities of Syria, located in the plain of Jordan, which is now the Dead Sea. Sodom was once a great power in her day. It was a city-state and a dominant force. The area was well-watered, lush, and green. It had the image of the Garden of Eden. But Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighboring towns were filled with immorality and every kind of sexual perversion. And there were other things at the root of their sins. Ezekiel chapter 16 verse 49 shares with us about what God 
saw these cities. The Bible says they were guilty of pride, gluttony, and laziness. They were so full of pride that they excluded God and were proud of what they had done. They had an abundance of food. They had more food than they needed, and even though they had all this food, they neglected the poor and the needy who stood outside their door suffering. They had too much time on their hands, and this led to idleness and laziness. Sodom and Gomorrah, notoriously sinful cities, were arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. They did detestable things and created abominations before God. These cities were destroyed by fire and brimstone and serve as a warning of the eternal fire of God's judgment. Ezekiel chapter 16 says, She was proud and committed detestable sins, so I wiped her out as you have seen. They were destroyed because of their wickedness. The biblical account of Sodom and Gomorrah gives us an example of what could happen to us if we don't turn to God. Now, During the time of Abraham, the Lord told Abraham that he was going to destroy the city because of the people's wickedness and sin. In Genesis chapter 18, the Lord said, The outcry of Sodom and Gomorrah is indeed great, and their sin is exceedingly grave. I will go down now and see if they have done entirely according to this outcry which has come to me. And if they haven't, I will know. God knew everything that was happening, but God went to expose their sin. And then we have Abraham pleading to God to spare any righteous people living there. He pleads with God, if there are 50, will you destroy it? God said, no, if there are 50, then I won't destroy it. And Abraham kept pleading down to 40, to 30, to 20, until he got to only 10. And still God said that he would not destroy the cities if there were 10. Now this doesn't mean that we should argue with God. But we should plead with God and intercede for people whom we care about. But God couldn't find ten people, and ultimately, he judged Sodom. Now two angels came to Sodom in the evening. And the Bible says that Lot greeted them and took them into his home. Lot showed them hospitality by cooking a feast and offering a place for them to sleep. Later, the men of Sodom came, both old and new. And the Bible says that these men wanted to know the two men in Lot's house carnally. They wanted to have sex with them. But Lot told them not to do wickedly with these two men. But the men of Sodom persisted and were going to break down the door. The two angels pulled Lot into the house and shut the door. Then they struck these evil men of Sodom with blindness, and they couldn't find the door. The two angels told Lot to take his family and flee the city because they were going to destroy Sodom. The scriptures say that the outcry against them had grown great before the Lord, and the Lord sent these two angels to destroy Sodom. When morning came, the angels urged Lot to hurry and leave. Lot left with his wife 
and his two daughters and went towards the mountains. The city was destroyed by fire and brimstone from heaven. The sins and the wickedness of its inhabitants brought down upon it fire from heaven. Everything was completely destroyed. Sodom and Gomorrah were wicked and vile places. Wickedness had become universal and they were unanimous in any vile design. They had arrived at the highest pitch of wickedness. They were sinners before the Lord exceedingly. It was the most unnatural and abominable wickedness that they were now set upon. The fate of Sodom and Gomorrah is used as a warning to those who reject the gospel. Their destruction is mentioned as an example unto those that afterwards should live ungodly. What a surreal and profound moment as Abraham stood looking at the devastation and the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. The, the striking moment of realization of the finality of God's judgment. It was total destruction. Nothing survived. The people were gone. The vegetation was gone. Because of their ongoing wickedness and rebellion against God, the cities and for, former inhabitants were wiped from the earth and eternally separated from the presence of God. The people of Sodom and Gomorrah rejected multiple opportunities to reach out to God. The destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah re reminds us of the ultimate cost of rebellion against God. God sent his own son to bridge the gap between his holiness and our depravity. On the cross, Jesus took the weight of all sin, yours and mine, so we could be reconciled to God. And three days after his crucifixion, Christ rose from the grave and defeated sin and death once for all. The Bible says that all have fallen short of the glory of God, but God made a way by sacrificing his son Jesus to be the appropriation or the atonement for our sin. But you must accept this gift of grace by faith and then turn away and repent from your sins. The continued rejection of Christ leads to death and destruction and to a rush of divine wrath even more terrifying than that experienced in Sodom and Gomorrah. The Bible says that the reason the flood came was that lawlessness was in the world and sensuality had spread all over the world. Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be when the Son of Man comes back. He said there would be a worldwide rebellion. Well, we see that going on now. He said that there would be an obsession with sex at the end of history. And we see all of that going on right now. They encourage those who are doing evil so that no one turns away from their sins. These prophets are as wicked as the people of Sodom and Gomorrah once were. They commit adultery and love dishonestly. They encourage those who are doing evil. We live in a time in our nation when right is wrong and wrong is right. Everything is upside down. 
Think of our nation in the sense of entitlement. Everyone expects to be entertained. The pride of those who lived in Sodom and Gomorrah was a nationalistic pride. They felt strong and indestructible. And many feel that way today in the U.S. The problem is that we have forgotten God. We have done our level best to push Him out of our schools, out of our courtrooms, out of our culture. And we are now seeing the results of it with the moral breakdown in our society. Our schools and churches are being corrupted at an alarming rate. Schools and libraries are advocating drag queens to read to our students. And not just our older children, but children as young as preschool and on up. Our schools are fighting the disease of critical race theory, which is teaching our children to be racist and to be hateful. And ministers and churches are refusing to speak against the subject of homosexuality. They are refusing to tell people what is right and wrong. I saw a study that claimed that only 24% of children between the ages of 13 to 18 believe that homosexuality is wrong. If we don't stand up for the truth, this generation is going to be lost to the evil of this world. In the world today, just about everywhere we look, we're seeing the promotion of the LGBT agenda. From social media to movies, television shows, commercials, and ads. Hollywood, our government, our schools, and now even many churches are all pushing a homosexual agenda. They're trying to define truth based on their sinful human opinion. Truth can't be found in Hollywood or our government. And countries like Russia and China are trying to build a strong society in hopes of conquering and ruling the world. They don't allow this kind of sexuality. They know this is an abnormal and destructive force. And in today's society, it's not hard to encounter someone who is part of the gay community. Many have a family member and co-workers who practice a homosexual lifestyle. There are many Christians and pastors who don't talk on the subject. The sin has become personal for so many, and they have blurred the lines of what's right and wrong and have ignored what the truth is. In fact, we have ministers who teach that this behavior is acceptable and will perform gay marriages. Gay marriages are not ordained by God. The scriptures give us the boundary that marriage is only between a man and a woman. There are no exceptions. Now, Many want to think the Bible is like a trail mix. We can pick and choose the things we like and ignore the rest, but we can't just pick and choose from the Bible what we want to follow. God has already given us the framework to work from and all of the scriptures to be followed, not just the stuff we like or don't like. So many Christian people struggle with this conflict in their hearts. But if you call Jesus your Lord and Savior and you believe in the Bible as the Word of God, you have to believe in its entirety. Even the parts that are confusing, even the parts we don't understand and the parts that we may not like. There are times our hearts can break over some of God's truths, but we have to believe in His sovereignty. 
We cannot ignore Scripture. The LGBT community claims to be a community of acceptance and tolerance, but they have proven to be the most intolerable and unaccepting group. They're very aggressive to Christians who dare to disagree with them. They label Christians and anyone who holds God's view as hateful. They label people who disagree with them as homophobic. Society is trying to teach that if a person disagrees with another person's view, then that person should hate them. That is just another lie of the devil. It's another way to cause separation from truth. We can have separate viewpoints and still love another person. If you hate people, then how are you going to preach the gospel to them? How are you going to change Help them change. How are they ever going to see the truth of the gospel? It is our love for others that allows us to give the truth of Jesus Christ so they can repent from their wicked ways and come to Christ. Christians need to be bold and take a stand against Satan and everything he is doing and using to destroy this nation. In a world that is dark and getting darker, we are called by Christ to be a light in the world. Being the light of Christ means showing love and truth. Truth can only be found in God's word and through those who unashamedly proclaim it. Many homosexuals hold to the belief that they were born that way. Numerous scientists have disputed this theory and there is no evidence whatsoever that there is a genetic makeup of being homosexual. There are even some who believe that God got it wrong when they were born. They believe God made a mistake making them a male or female and they go through expensive operations to try to change themselves. But God never makes mistakes. He created you as you are meant to be. It was God's intent to create you as male or female. And those are the only two choices that God created. God is love and God is truth. When we're confused and don't understand, that's when he tells us to lean not on our own understanding, but on his perfect and infinite wisdom. This generation is filled with talk about love and acceptance, but they don't proclaim the truth. We cannot neglect the truth in God's word because when we neglect to tell lost people about sin and they won't know the greatest love story of all, the gospel, where Jesus died on the cross for our sin. The Bible calls for a balance between what some people think are two opposing reactions, condemnation and compassion. The two together are essential elements of biblical love, and that's something the homosexual sinner desperately needs. If you've been watching the headlines over the last couple years, you've noticed the incredible surge of interest in affirming homosexuality. Whether it's at the heart of a religious scandal, political corruption, radical legislation, or the redefinition of marriage, Homosexual interests have come to characterize America. Just a couple days ago, the House of Representatives passed legislation to redefine the definition of marriage. 
The belief is the Senate will also vote to redefine marriage. That's an indication of the success of the gay agenda. Some Christians, including some national church leaders, have wavered on the issue even recently. But sadly, when people refuse to acknowledge the sinfulness of homosexuality, calling evil good and good evil, they do so at the expense of many souls. Homosexual advocates have been remarkably effective in selling their warped interpretations of passages in Scripture that address homosexuality. They have digested an interpretation that is not only warped, but also completely irrational. Don't allow yourself to be intimidated or deterred from the truth by homosexual advocates who are committed in trying to overturn God's authority in this world. Their arguments are baseless and a falsehood of the truth. Some will say that the Bible does not record any words of Jesus about homosexuality, and therefore it must be acceptable to God. Jesus does talk about it. He defines what marriage is in Matthew chapter 19, verses 4 through 6. It says, haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female, and said, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So Jesus did have something to say about homosexual partnerships. God only blessed sex within the committed marriage relationship of a man and a woman. The Old Testament states, Do not lie with a man as one lies with a woman. That is detestable in Leviticus chapter 18 and also chapter 20. The New Testament agrees, listing homosexual offenders among a list of people who will not inherit the kingdom of God unless they are cleansed through Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. In the book of Romans chapter 1, it says, Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. From Genesis on, the Bible praises the marriage between a man and a woman and speaks negatively of homosexual behavior whenever it is mentioned. Anything that is done beyond what Scripture has told us is sexual immorality. Those in the gay community have been blinded by the lies of the world to believe what they're doing is okay. And the church is failing to provide them with truth. Sex is a gift from God. And young people are getting the wrong idea about sex. Many parents are concerned about what their children are exposed to, and rightly so. Within marriage, sex is the most wonderful of relationships. It's the ultimate in fulfillment. And as Christians, we must not compromise what the Bible says about homosexuality, ever. No matter how much you desire and want to show compassion to the homosexual, your first allegiance belongs to God and His righteousness. 
Homosexuals stand in defiance and rebellion against God and God's will for their lives, who from the very beginning made male and female. God's response to the homosexual agenda is certain and final judgment. And to claim anything else is to compromise the truth of God and deceive those who are perishing. God condemns homosexuality because it goes against his fundamental design for human relationships. God opposes it in every age. He opposed it during Sodom and Gomorrah, and he opposes it today. This is very clear in scriptures. So why has the homosexual interpretations of the scriptures been so successful at persuading so many? The answer is that some people want to be convinced and given the okay that what they want to do is okay. They would rather listen to the sick lies of the devil so they can continue to live in a deprived way. Sinners have to defy reason and defy truth to embrace a warped thinking to try and quiet the voice of reason and consciousness. They want to find a way to ignore the convicting spirit inside of them, telling them it is wrong. And they're looking for ways to justify a lifestyle that they want. Not what God wants for them, but what they want. As you interact with homosexuals and their sympathizers, you must affirm the Bible's condemnation. You're not trying to bring damnation on the head of homosexuals. You are trying to bring conviction so that they can turn from that sin and embrace the only hope of salvation for all of us sinners. And that's through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Homosexuals don't need healing. Homosexuality is not a disease. They don't need therapy. Homosexuality is not a psychological condition. Homosexuals need forgiveness. Because homosexuality is a sin. The sixth chapter of 1 Corinthians makes it clear of the eternal consequence for those who practice homosexuality. But there's good news. No matter what the sin is, whether homosexuality or anything else, God has provided forgiveness, salvation, and the hope of eternal life to those who repent and embrace the gospel. Paul said, such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Like those in the Corinthian church back in Paul's day, those who practice a homosexual lifestyle can gain salvation through repentance and faith. As a Christian, our response to the homosexual agenda should be a biblical one that confronts them with the truth of Scripture, condemns the practice, and promises eternal damnation for all who practice it. Our response to the one who engages this lifestyle should be a gospel response that confronts them with the truth of Scripture that condemns a person as a sinner, points them to the hope of salvation through repentance and faith in Christ. Stay faithful to the Lord as you respond to the homosexuality by honoring his word and leave the results to him. The story of Sodom and Gomorrah continues to reach across time as a warning to all mankind. 
God is full of love and compassion, but God is also holy and just. The creator, the sustainer of all things, cannot have anything to do with sin and ungodliness, and rebellion against God will not be allowed to continue indefinitely. A holy God requires justice, and the wrath unleashed on Sodom and Gomorrah is a foreshadowing of the ultimate justice coming on the day of final judgment. The Apostle Peter writes, If God condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them example of what is going to happen to the ungodly, by the same token, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for a day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But this story is also one of God's great mercies, because Lot and his wife and Lot's daughters were spared from the horror of burning sulfur. God knew that the culture of Sodom and the surrounding plains was one of extreme depravity. He also knew this ongoing wickedness and rebellion warred against Lot's soul. God is loving, compassionate, and full of mercy. But we can't ignore his holiness. Even though it may appear that the wicked go unpunished, sin and judgment are inseparable. A holy God requires it. The tragedy of Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities is used in Scripture as a severe warning and as an example of evil. The whole land will be a burning waste of salt and sulfur. Nothing planted, nothing sprouting, no vegetation growing on it. It will be like the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. As we look over the ruins of Sodom and Gomorrah, just as Abraham did, we must approach this moment in history in humility and show gratitude for the redemption offered by Jesus' sacrifice. Justice was demanded by the Holy God. Payment for sin had to be paid. A lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus was the precious lamb, the perfect one, to pay the ultimate price that was required. May we turn from the pride and selfishness that leads to destruction and reach for God's gift of life eternal with him through his offer of salvation. Only then will we have joy and know of the real love that only God can give. Then we can share the love of Jesus in sharing that same love and hope with the world. Jesus Christ will come again. There is a coming of the end of the age. Not an end to the world, there'll never be an end to the world, but an end to the age in which we live, which is dominated by the devil and evil. That will come to an end. I cannot think of a time in my years of following Christ when I've seen greater immorality among the people, or a time when I have seen more open and blatant sin taking place on the part of those who profess to be Christians. I never thought I would see what I'm seeing today in my lifetime. My heart aches for America 
and all the people who are deceived by Satan. But the great news is that our Lord is a God of mercy, and he responds to repentance. In the times of Jonah, Nineveh was the lone world superpower. Nineveh was wealthy, unconcerned, and self-centered. When Jonah finally traveled to Nineveh and proclaimed God's warning, people heard and repented. I believe the same thing can happen once again at this time in our nation. It's something I long for. That is why JG Ministries exists, in the hope to bring the gospel into neighborhoods and homes in America. I know God has called us to do this, and I pray he will stir your heart to join us in prayer and support. May God have mercy on this country. Thank you for listening. God bless you, and keep living Christian strong.